Happy Nurses Week to all the nurses and future nurses listening. To celebrate, I'm having a 20% off sale on Study Sesh. This is my private podcast that features over 140 episodes to help you study on the go. Formats include pod quizzes, power hour deep dives, drills, and case studies. If you're tired of sitting at your desk or staring at a screen, but still want to review for nursing school, it's time to check out Study Sesh. Go to straightanursingstudent.com and click on Courses in that top menu bar. That's straightanursingstudent.com and click on Courses in the menu bar. See you there. Hey there, everyone. It is Nurse Mo, and welcome back to the Straight A Nursing Podcast. This is episode 74, and today I'm going to probably express what might be an unpopular opinion, but today's episode is all about how study groups are a huge waste of time. But if you are a study group fan, I'll give you some tips for how to make them work. So, Don't throw those tomatoes at me, (laughs) just uh, hear me out and let's talk about study groups and how even though they seem to be a lot of people's go-to tactic when maybe they're starting out and they think, oh, I've got to get in a study group right away, or they notice that they're struggling with a topic, make a study group, go to study group. It just seems like everybody joins them and has them and loves them, right? So they must be really helpful or maybe not. So first of all, the biggest problem with study groups is that they can just be way too large. Big study groups are actually a giant, giant waste of time, and here is why. Big groups tend to be a lot more based on social interaction than on studying. So when I was a nursing student, I had my core group of friends, there were about seven of us, and I started out the semester, we were all working in study groups on different uh, assignments, topics, and studying. And I quickly found that we spent a lot of time socializing. And as much as I loved that, I just did not have time for it. So if you really look at what's going on in your study group, are you spending 20, 30 minutes socializing in a two-hour study session? You do not have time for that. Let's make our socializing socializing purposeful and our studying purposeful. And one of the ways to do that is maybe avoiding those big study groups. Large groups also tend to lack structure. If you've got seven, eight, nine, ten people all getting together, chances are those 10 people are not all struggling with the same thing, not all focusing on the same thing at the same time, or all learning in the same way. So there's a lot of lack of structure with groups like this. They also don't really take into account each individual's unique learning style and 
teaching attributes. A lot of times I learn the most when I'm teaching to another person. Well, I teach really well by explaining and writing things, but maybe nobody else in the group does and they're all very visual learners and I'm terrible at doing that. Maybe I just can't draw, I can't make a diagram to save my life. That's not going to be a very effective study group situation. You have to take individual learning and teaching styles into account. Big study groups are also a huge waste of time because they're often not really led by anybody who's an expert in any topic. It's often the blind leading the blind, so to speak. And if you're diving into a complex topic, you can waste a lot of time just struggling as a group to get through it. Whereas if you had a smaller group, you could make a lot more meaningful progress toward the group goal of understanding a difficult topic. And speaking of goals, big study groups often lack clear goals and objectives. You're getting together on Tuesday at 11 a.m. to do what exactly? So big study groups often lack goals and objectives. They're also not the best form of studying and interaction for students who are maybe less confident, maybe shy. Those students, very easy to get lost in the crowd when the study group size starts to get up into those bigger numbers. And they're also really inefficient. A lot less work gets done, and that clock, you guys, is tick, tick, ticking away. And when I was a student, that clock to me was sleep time. If I didn't get my work done in, say, I gave myself an hour and my work took instead two hours, well, that extra hour came off my time I could go to bed and I would get an hour less sleep. And I don't know about you, but I need my Maybe not my eight hours, because that's that's really luxurious for a nursing student, but I needed my six or seven like you would not believe, and I did not flinch on that at all. I always was in bed by 11 p.m. at the absolute latest, all through nursing school, oftentimes by 10. So if I can do it, you can do it too. And one of the ways I did it was I immediately saw, even though I loved my group of friends in nursing school, I immediately saw that studying with them, not the best use of my time. So why is there so much focus on saving time? I talk about this a lot. I talk about this when I speak to you guys about time management. I talk about it when I speak to you about prioritizing or planning. Basically, nursing school is really busy. A lot of my classmates, and I still see it now when I'm working with students, it's not uncommon for students to be up until 2 or 3 in the morning just to get all of their work done. And like I said, I need my sleep. I knew right away that was not going to work for me. So I would make a schedule for every single day. And I would plan out my time and I knew exactly how much time I had allotted for each activity. And if something took more time than I allotted, that came out of my sleep time. So I was very disciplined with staying on my schedule. So here's how I really felt this concept hit home to me when I was a first semester student. So again, I had my group, there were seven or eight of us that 
were, you know, thick as thieves all through school. And we started out doing our quizzes. So we had these online quizzes that we had to do for, I forget which class. Um, And the instructor said, work in a group. That's fine. If you want to work in a group, work in a group because there was a whole bank of questions. And one of the benefits of working in a group was that you could get to see more questions than the 10 you would have or 15 you would have. Um, maybe I think maybe actually it was 20 questions per quiz. The 20 questions you would get, great. But if you were working in a group, maybe you'd get to see 40 questions or 30 questions overall because there was a test bank there. So they said it was fine to work in a group. So we did. And so a lot of us took advantage of this. So I went to one of these study sessions and there were like eight to 10 people all, again, (laughs) stressed out. I, if i talk to you or you've heard my podcast where I talk about test day strategies and test anxiety and where when you go to the test and everybody's freaking out and huddling together and frantically studying right before the exam, that's how this quiz was. All these people standing around while one person took their quiz and they're all talking about all the questions and all the possible answers and... Each quiz was like 20 questions long, and each one took maybe a couple of minutes to read through and process and talk about all the possible answers. So that one quiz, you know, even if each question was a one minute, that's 20 minutes for one person to do one quiz. And this group was going to go through that eight or 10 times. And that's when I thought, oh, no, 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 I do not have time for this. I'm going to get my quiz done in like half an hour and move on with my life. So even though I missed out on the test bank, I was able to make up for missing out on seeing a few questions by getting a lot more studying done that I needed to do. So being efficient with your time in nursing school is really at the heart of a lot of things that I teach you guys through my website and my podcast. So take my word for it, a big study group is going to rob you of a lot of your time that you could be spending on other more efficient tasks, and even on your sleep, okay? But I'm not saying that you should always study by yourself because for a lot of people, that does not work. I think it can be really beneficial to study with a small group. And when I say small group, I mean no more than three Maybe four if you've got a really dedicated, organized group that is committed to the exact same goals that you are. Typically, when I studied with anyone else, I would study with one other person. So I have a, a few good friends, and we our study styles and learning styles were very similar, and we would pair up and study. And that worked very, very well, and we would get a lot done in a lot less time because we were so focused and so compatible. So let's say you aren't quite ready to say sayonara to that big study group mentality, but you're willing to compromise with me on maybe a smaller group. So I'm going to talk you through some tips for making that small group much more efficient and effective so that you don't get caught up in something that's really not serving you and is going to waste a lot of your time.
So the first tip for making a small study group work for you is set a start time and set an end time. So if you know that your group is scheduled for one hour, this really takes away that urge to sit and chat for 15 or 20 minutes about how unorganized your theory of nursing professor is, for example, or whatever, or a patient you had in clinical. So starting on time and ending on time, and that means getting down to brass tacks. If the group starts at 10, you're talking about whatever you're studying at 10, and you're ending on time so that people can go on with the rest of their day, because they probably have a very organized schedule as well, right? So that's tip number one. Tip number two is set ground rules for your study group. So if you're the creator of the group and you're looking for one or two people, maybe three others, though I personally would encourage a smaller group, two to three of you, I want you to, from the get-go, Start off with ground rules. So that would be things like no latecomers. Somebody coming in late, now your flow is disrupted. You have to stop and talk about why they were late. They were having trouble parking. Their dog got out, whatever. It's a distraction. No latecomers. No phones. Okay, so no checking Twitter or checking your email or posting social media photos of your study group while you're studying. Have a no phone rule. No side conversations and no gossip. Those are all some really good ground rules to have for your study group. Also, it's really nice if you um, kind of set up expectations in the group that if someone's not getting it, that they are in a safe space to speak up and let the group know. So a lot of times those shyer students, maybe they're less confident, might be too embarrassed to say, excuse me, I'm not really understanding what distributive shock is. Can you explain it again? Because they might think, oh shoot, I'm the only one that doesn't get it. I must be, uh, I must be an idiot, right? You're not an idiot. Some concepts are very difficult and take more than just a, you know, one-time glance at. So have an expectation that if you're not getting it, you are encouraged to speak up in a non-judgmental and safe environment. So study groups really only work if everyone leaves the session a little more knowledgeable than when they started it, okay? And then I also want you to set some goals for your group. So set a goal for each study session, whether it's prepping for an upcoming exam in one particular class on one particular set of topics, completing a case study together. I did that a lot with my study pals. Working on a skill like interpreting ABGs or doing dosage calculations or practicing for a checkoff in your skills lab. Set up a goal for each study session so that you come prepared, you know what you're going to be doing, what you're going to get out of it, what you can contribute to other people's learning, and what questions and sticky spots, trouble spots you might be facing that your friends can help you with. 
The next tip for making your small study group very effective is set some very clear expectations for how you study. And you guys, this is key. So for example, I was so lucky in my prereqs and in my nursing school, I had some of the best study partners ever. I know Irene is not listening because she is not in nursing. She's in dental hygiene, but she was my study buddy in anatomy and physiology. And we got along like, man, we were the best study partners ever. And that's because we just we really had a clear idea of how we were going to study together. And the way we did that is we would take turns quizzing each other, or we would take turns talking through concepts. So for instance, if we were talking through, we were studying muscle contraction physiology, I would say, okay, Irene, talk me through it. So she would talk through it. And when she would get stuck, I was looking at my notes and I would prompt her. And then we would do that over and over until she got to where she could explain muscle contraction physiology as well as the instructor. And she really would, you know, we could assimilate that knowledge as we're talking and putting it into our own words and thinking it through. It was excellent. And then we would quiz each other on things. And we just always had really clear goals and really clear expectations of how to study. So different things to do are quizzing each other. Maybe choose a leader for that day's study session who will present a complex topic to the others in the group. Maybe maybe two people in the group are not getting a distributive shock, and one person thinks, I've got a pretty good idea of this. I'm going to put together a quick little presentation and teach it to my classmates. Um, going through the process of learning something well enough to teach it really makes you solid on that topic. Another idea is to meet and just go over the day's notes and review them and talk them through together. And you'll find that as you are reviewing your lecture notes, you might say, yeah, I didn't really catch what he said about that. What did you take from that? And then you can kind of fill each other in and fill in those little gaps together. And then my last tip for making your little study group very, very impactful is address the different learning styles of your group members. You know, it's great if everybody in the group learns the same way, but even if you don't, as long as you're aware of what those learning styles are and what each other's strengths are, then it really helps you to study together and teach one another a lot more effectively. So I know I started out saying study groups are a huge waste of time. I should have said big study groups are a huge waste of time. Small study groups are hugely impactful and can be. So I hope that you take those tips and make a study group that works well for you. And if you have any other great ideas or tips for study groups, send them over to me at hello at straightanursingstudent.com. I would love to hear about your study group success stories. So speaking of groups, I have a Facebook group, you guys, and I bet some of you are in it. And if you are, hey, yo, how y'all doing? Um, but if you're not, and you are looking for support, and you're looking for 
just a way to reach out to other students that are supportive, kind, helpful, then I invite you to check out my Facebook group called Thriving Nursing Students. So you may have read my book, Nursing School Thrive Guide. My theme and goal is really for you guys to not just survive and get through nursing school, but I really want you to thrive in nursing school. So that's why I named the group Thriving Nursing Students. And if you just go to the search um, in Facebook, you can type in Thriving Nursing Students and it should take you there. You do have to request to join. That helps keep the group clear of Bammers. Um, still, some will slip through, and it's amazing sometimes. But um, yeah, they get deleted. So don't worry. The group is very uh, clearly focused on nursing. There's not a lot of extraneous stuff going on. And the interaction between group members, I, I have to say, I'm feeling really proud of this group. They are so helpful with each other. I hardly ever have to pop in and uh, provide extra input because they've already helped each other so much with their advice and their support of one another. So Speaking of groups, if you want a group that will not waste your time because you're going to use it wisely, come to Thriving Nursing Students over on Facebook. And then next week, you guys are doing a big topic. It is all about alcohol withdrawal. So this is something that you'll be learning about in your mental health clinical and your mental health uh, lectures. It's pretty complicated, very interesting, a very sad situation, but you are going to be a compassionate and amazing nurse. And I'm going to talk to you about how to keep these patients safe and handle what is probably one of the most challenging patience that you'll ever, ever have. So I will see you here back next week. Thank you so much for listening and spending your precious free time with me today. See you soon. This podcast is brought to you by Straight A Nursing. 